Hello everyone, this is Deb, host of Deb's Data Dojo. Today I have a very special guest, Dr. Wilbur Allen. Dr. Wilbur Allen is a PhD who is researching UAPs and anomalies. He has been doing science um, and analyzing numerous videos and pictures of anomalies that can be viewed on his website and YouTube channel. Dr. Allen has traveled extensively to study the phenomenon, including to Alaska, Arizona, DC, and outside of Area 51. He has worked with members of the military and other interested scientists, including the late Dr. Edgar Mitchell and Bruce McAbee. Dr. Allen has also been seen on multiple podcasts and TV shows exposing the truth about UFOs. Dr. Allen has hypothesized that the UAPs are organisms, which is a hypothesis shared by other researchers and some experiencers. Welcome and thank you for coming today. Thank you for having me, Deb. Yes, I'm so excited to get to talk to you about this hypothesis because unfortunately, you know, there's not a lot of other people who are um, going with this hypothesis and I wanna hear what, what led you to this hypothesis. Um, I had several um, reasons to conclude that these objects were organisms. So first, one of the things that's extremely interesting is their, their overall characteristics. They do have that tic-tac shape, but they're not uniform in terms of overall definitions. One of the things I thought was most interesting was the fact that the closest thing that I could match them to were microbes from Earth, Earth-bound microbial um, viruses, you know, microbes. And the microbes were indeed 100% consistent with these objects. The differences being size, of course, one of that is the significant difference between the microbe and these objects that what I, what we are imaging in space. The other thing was they had this unusual energy field around them. And what's interesting is in all of the objects, the energy field is rotating in a clockwise manner and it modulates. And I discovered that on several occasions that these objects can go from one level of energy to extreme energy output. And the extreme energy output objects are invisible. That's what makes this totally abstract because I, I set up a technology that enabled me to look into invisibility and I created a telescope, which basically is Hubble. Um, actually, it's Hubble as a motion picture application, not as a still camera application. And in documenting these objects, um, one of the things that I noticed is, especially when I would get these objects with the immense energy fields around them, they would light up my monitor and I would go outside and look in the exact location in which they are um, positioned based on my telescope positioning, and I would see absolutely nothing. They're invisible. Yeah, so so I actually have heard from other sources that these things are coming outside of the spectrum of what we can see. Um, and then we have cases where we can definitely see them and they appear to be metallic, um, uh, like machines, you know, but, but then of course it, it's a question of, is it, the movement, the uh, way that they transfer from one location to another that causes this appearance and the maybe like the plasma field, or is it something else? What's going on where we're seeing two different things? 
Well, you know, one of the things that's interesting is, as you mentioned, uh, Dr. Edgar Mitchell was my associate. And during Apollo 14, he documented uh, several anomalies, um, some of which are categorized as the Tic Tacs, as what we see that, that were encountered by the USS Nimitz carrier group. And it's even more interesting is that these objects that he documented on the moon were no larger than um, oranges or maybe a little bit larger than a bowling ball. And somehow during the course of time in the period in which they were documented from the 1970s until now, they became substantially larger. And it's interesting that with the footage that I was looking through, uh, which Dr. Mitchell allowed me to, to examine, which was Apollo 14 EVA-1, that these objects that they documented all had the same overall characteristics. The energy fields, they were small, and they also had the modulating energy field that was even more interesting because the fact that their fields are uh, varying in a sense that that energy output makes them substantially different from one another. And that's what I believe is their identifying signatures, the energy output put out by these objects. Do you, so do you think it's specifically the tic-tac shape that is being recorded in space, or do you think there's more than one object that we're seeing in space doing this behavior with the modulation and everything? Their, their, their overall characteristics is tic-tac, indeed, mm -hmm. but it's, it's the differences are size and displacement. Some of the objects are elongated like hot dogs, mm -hmm. and some of the objects are more uniform like a tic-tac, but they're not completely uh, symmetrical in the sense that they don't have uniform characteristics. They're not like uh, a man-made object where, you know, okay. man makes objects that have uniform consistencies. A car looks like a car. Airplane looks like an airplane. All of right. these objects were completely different. And it, it made it seem as if there was a hierarchy associated to this colony of organisms. And, and that's what right. it appeared to be. Well, a lot of people have commented that one object will come or multiple objects come out of a bigger object. Have you seen that also? I documented several on several occasions, one in particular where this object, which was a singular sphere, was flying along a uniform path. And as it was flying along a uniform path, it split into nine pieces, mm -hmm. reformatted itself, and then continued to fly through on this straight uh, flight path, straight trajectory. But as it was flying on this trajectory, it, it seemed to be warping. Um, I, I would have to show you the data to explain it because it's almost improbable from what I'm about to say. But this object seemed to be moving in multiple directions simultaneously. Right. Okay. And so do you get any sense of origin? Do you like you're you're spotting them in this in space, essentially, but can you get any sense of what direction they might be coming from or are they coming a, from deeper in space? There's a sample taken from the International Space Station that shows uh, a cluster of these objects. And it's interesting that it seemed to be about 100, 200 of them. And they were all coming from deep space and they're all flying into Earth's atmosphere. 
as as far as I can tell, nobody seems to have been able to tell where they come from because they simply appear. They don't they okay. don't fly into the airspace. They manifest into the airspace incrementally. And and I've got data okay. that supports that. Okay. And have you have you by any chance gotten a chance to look at Eric Davis's uh, work on wormholes? And have you thought maybe perhaps they're using something like that to transport from one there, location? They're definitely using some spatial portal uh, to to get from one location to another. And it was interesting that the crew of the USS Nimitz, um, in pursuit of some of these objects, indicated that uh, they simply vanished and reappeared in a completely com different location from where they were originally sighted. Mm -hmm. So they do have the ability to go um, into another dimension, I would believe, um, mm -hmm. from, from the data that I'm able to gather. And that they're, uh, because of the fact that they can do that, my, my conclusion is that they have some kind of nuclear level um, field uh, where electrical impulse organisms, these objects are nuclear impulse organisms. Mm, okay. How does that work? Because I feel like I've heard that before, something about being nuclear powered. How, does, how would that work? Nuclear is the only power that energy that's sufficient to offset time space, and they have the ability to offset time space. Okay. Okay. Um, and what about the fact that when they're seen in our atmosphere, um, they seem more like solid metallic objects? Uh, not all of them. Granted, there's plenty that don't get to that point, that don't appear that way um, as well. But what does it mean when they are in our atmosphere looking um, like they're machines. I wouldn't say machines. I would more, I more classify them as organisms. Mm -hmm. And, and, and the fact of the matter that, um, from what the carrier group from the USS Nimitz was able to conclude based on their readings, that these objects moved more like insects than anything else, not like a spacecraft. They had insectoid flight characteristics. Okay, so I don't know if you've gotten a chance yet to look at Scott Guerin's video, but he I, I very much, not. yeah, he described his, UA, his UAP experiences looking like a manta ray um, in the sky. So it was very much like moving and fluid. Um, other people have described similar things. They, I think they have different terms for it in different countries um related to these objects kind of looking like living beings so it's interesting but we've definitely heard stories of people saying it, it looks like um it's made of silver or aluminum um and very like smooth and solid um so do you think that that's a different thing that's happening there's two different things happening maybe it's 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 two different things because most of the objects i was gathering um did not have any solidity associated to them at all. They were more transparent in a sense. Okay. And I've got a, a few samples on my website, which showed clearly that these are something other than solid matter. Right. Could you explain quickly before I forget and move on from that, when you look at the, um, the spectrum, can you explain the, the exact numbers on like the spectrum of what your machine is are picking up, what your technology is picking up as opposed to what the human eye can pick up? 
Well, my, my technology is specific to 470 nanometers and 470 nanometers is in gamma ray X-ray bands of invisibility and humans cannot see in gamma ray or X-ray. We have a very limited band of visibility and whatever these objects are, they're way beyond our ranges. Um, the human eye at um, in daylight hours is, if you're familiar with photography, is ISO zero and at night, it's ISO 800, and the objects that I'm getting are at ISO 400,000. So that's way beyond the range of human vision. So do you think there's any possibility that these objects are occupied, or do you think that they're just living on their own and wouldn't be occupied because they are themselves alive? They are themselves alive. I don't believe okay. that they have occupants in them at all. But what makes it even more interesting is the sample that I was mentioning that split into nine different pieces then reformatted itself. Those nine different pieces seem to have individuality associated to them. When it reformatted itself, it just became one solid object again. So it was very interesting for me to see this um, based on the samples that I'm gathering. And I'm shooting a, a camera that's recording at 60 frames per second at 1 250th of a second, or anywhere from 1 100th of a second to 1 250th of a second. So it's not like we're looking at blurs or some slow shutter speed, um, which is generally uh, would give you those distortions that one would conclude are associated with these objects in motion. We're not seeing that. What we're looking at are these organisms, and these organisms have unique flight characteristics and their flight characteristics are, um, I can't say what they're consistent with. I've never seen anything quite like that before, but it's definitely unusual. And based on what the USS Nimitz carrier group uh, professionals were saying, especially the pilots from the F-18s, that their ability to transcend time and space while they were in pursuit, it left the pilots dumbfounded because they did not know exactly what to do. And the objects, once they mm -hmm. disappeared, they disappeared off a of radar and then they would reappear right. hundreds of miles away, different, a complete different location. Now, what do you think going transmedium would do to one of these objects? Because we know that we have underwater incidents as well. In fact, there are some that are clocked at extremely high speeds. Um, so do you think, you know, granted, you know, I don't know how far in the water they are, but I do know the pressure in the water is considerably higher than it is in space. So with the energy field around them, it's that doesn't make any difference because I'm also documenting spacecraft, which make aircraft carriers look like single man rowboats. And they have this field around them. And when I document them, they're flying by at warp velocity and they're completely silent. There's no sonic boom. There's no, there's no sound associations to them as they fly by. And mm -hmm. that whatever this energy field is that's around them, it, it encompasses them. Mm -hmm. And as they're encompassed by this field, it seems to offset the fields associated to Earth, offset the forces associated to Earth. They operate completely different in our environment than they would in any other place. There's nothing like anything that we have that could fly anything quite like these things. Okay. So when you say you're filming spacecraft, this is different from the living organisms or it's the same. It's different. They're totally different. The objects that I'm getting are immense. 
and they're going by at warp velocities. That's what makes this even more interesting. And when they go by, you could see that there is this propulsion field associated to them. And this propulsion leaves this green like laser um, contrail. And the contrail is like a tail. And when they fly by, it, what makes it even more abstract, as I mentioned earlier, they're 100% silent and they're moving at warp velocities. And normally an aircraft with those characteristics would leave a sonic boom as it flies through our airspace. While these things, there's absolutely nothing but silence. Okay. And do you, do you think that those are occupied? Because I think those are. <laughs> yes. Yes. Those are definitely occupied. And I, yes. I do believe what's interesting is that is that these objects are... Um, possibly discharging these tic-tac objects from within them, okay. like aircraft carriers. So this actually lines up with something that I've said, and I'm gonna throw this out there, and it probably will be exactly what you're saying. But I have commented many times that I suspect the orbs that people talk about and spheres that people talking about are one and the same thing. They seem to have their own intelligence, but they seem to be controlled um, almost like we control drones. They seem to have very purposeful actions and to certain colors seem to line up, line up with certain incidents and certain actions seem to be associated with other incidents. So do you think that there's a possibility that these living organism objects are the same as the spears and orbs people are seeing? I believe there's different technologies out there. And that's, okay. that's one of the things that's the unique characteristics associated to them. I documented some orange orbs that landed in front of me and 18 other people in Baltimore in 2008. And I documented them in high definition. What's interesting is I was with 18 different people at the time mm -hmm. that these objects landed in front of me. And not one of these people remembers that event. Not yes. one of them. There's a lot of interesting things that happen with memory loss related to this. I don't know if that has to do with a sort of like a dilation effect, but um, I've I've spoken to other people who have memory loss to the point where they can't even remember a whole incident, like significant incident that happened until something triggers it and then they remember everything. Um, Robert Salas talked about that when I was interviewing him. He said that um, he did not remember his abduction experience until someone was talking about a blight in a room and suddenly he remembered everything. Um, we heard the pilot uh, who was an actor, I can't remember his name right now. I wanna say Russell something, Any Kurt Russell, that was it. Kurt Russell said he couldn't remember reporting the Phoenix lights at all. Like he couldn't remember he was the pilot that did it until years later when the, someone was talking about it on the news and it goes, that was me. And he remembered everything. That's bizarre. Like people just forgetting. Well, they, they have the ability to read our minds and it's even more uh, compelling to believe that if they can read our minds, they can erase it also. Right. And, and unfortunately people who have done polls um, on, you know, experiencers or potential experiencers, have gotten some indication that this could be happening to more people than than realized, which kind of lines up with other research that's been done on possible interventions with humans, which of course gets people a little scared. But well, you know, we have we have psychological defense mechanisms, and we tend to block things out that the mind does not want to accept. And when an object that's anomalous, like a UFO, comes and lands in front of you. 
and it's not like anything you've ever seen before, it's not quite like your brain is going to accept it physically. It tends to want to not believe what it's seeing. And that's right. generally what is happening in this case. The 18 people I was with, regardless to the fact that I took pictures, they don't remember any of it. You know, and to, this, that to this day, to this day. I think that happened exactly with orbs in particular to Jay King also. He's part of the, um, well, one of the leaders of the four experiencer group. He's spoken about that too. It was orbs and he was with a group of people. And the next day, very few of them remembered it. <laughs> so that's really interesting. I just have to wonder, I, I think technology is behind some of that. I think there's a technology that's being used to have that impact on our brains and our memory. Well, you know, in Area 51, I documented some objects. And in one case where my BBC crew was arrested, whatever it was that I was documenting communicated with me telepathically. And he told me to pack my stuff and get out of Dodge. And I packed mm -hmm. my stuff and I got out of Dodge when I got that message. Right. As soon as I left, there was a van with a machine gun, which had Area 51 security personnel coming to the area where I was standing with my camera. But the aliens warned me to get out. Wow. Okay. Wow. So, you know, I, you know, I hate to say this, but sometimes I really have this horrific thought that we really do have captured entities sitting somewhere. And that horrifies me, you know, like, that we would do that. I don't know. I, well, I guess they're, they're, they're held. They're held against their will. And what, I know what, exactly what but human likes to be held against their will. I so know they have the same qualities we have in terms of feelings. Then it would be natural for an uh, an alien to feel he's been captured and he doesn't like the fact that he's been captured and he wants to get out of there and he wants to go home. But right. in Area Fifty One, they've taken his ship. They've dissected the, most of his friends. They've taken his ship apart and try to re-back re engineer everything that's associated with it. How would you feel if you're an extraterrestrial right. and, and you've been awful. raped by humans? Right. That's awful. But I have also heard the theory that there's no way that they'd be kept if they didn't, didn't want it to be. If they weren't basically If it sacrificed. wasn't a setup. If they didn't want to be their technology to be known. And I believe that could possibly be the case also. Yeah, I think it, it goes a little bit like I've heard about gifted objects being left and things like that. And then call it like the gifting fields and all this stuff. But and I don't know, I just have this feeling that if they didn't want to be stuck in a base, they'd be gone. They'd leave. They'd get out. Some They would have help and they would be gone. So you'd have to wonder what they're getting out of that. Um and, and what makes me really sad is why would they want to keep going to the military <laughs> to engage? There's so many people who would want to engage with them who would not do that to them, you know. And they do sometimes go to, you know, um, places like in um, Artie Six Killers Clark's book. She spoke about the star people coming to speak to people on reservations and private land. And they, they, you know, are treated respectfully. <laughs> so they do supposedly do that, right? But I don't know. I it's can't, it, I can't it's funny. All of my encounters were on U.S. military bases, United States Air right. Force SAC bases. And my first encounter when I was five was on a SAC base. And whatever these entities were that, that my family encountered, 
um, they never left me alone. Even more interesting is I can't explain how I'm the only person to have the samples that I have. And they're constantly over my house, constantly well, over my yeah, house. They seem to select certain people. I've met a couple other people. Um, and of course, everyone knows about um, Dorothy Isaac. Uh, who had just tons and tons of photos because they just came every night just about for her. Every and she night. always, yeah, and she knew when they were coming, they would tell her, you know, so they would pose, but they do select certain people for that. Um, I think they select people based on a role. Uh, essentially, it feels like there's some chess being played. You know, this is your role. This is your role. And it, it does, it does make you wonder. <laughs> You know what is going on? <laughs> like a lot of people are well, scared. Well, that's something to think about because the the fact of the matter is, I can't explain how I came to the technology that enables me to see them, and I believe that that technology that I created was downloaded into me as I was a child. Right, and there's other people who have said that they have the downloads for the um, major inventions. Right, me, I I've just had this sudden compulsion to do this. Um, it was about I would say last September, out of the blue. I had had wow. um, experiences, uh, but no real overpressing desire. And now it's like I'm going 180 degrees. <laughs> like or, or I'm really, really dedicated, so to speak. So you have to wonder what's going on. Am I being played? Am I just a chess piece? What's that about? Well, at McGuire Air Force Base, when I was in third grade, this entity kept showing up into my room every night. And if you Google extraterrestrial killed at McGuire Air Force Base, they killed yeah. them. That's very sad. That makes me sad because I see them as people. They're, and... they're people. And whatever this entity was, all of the encounters I had as a child, they were not hostile. In right. fact, on some of the occasions, they made me feel like they cared more for me than than my parents did, in a sense. But, you know, my parents loved me, obviously, but they gave this loving feeling. And it wasn't right. anything that would make me want to be afraid other than they looked very abstract. And once you see them enough, that fear that's associated to seeing something that you've never seen before, it goes away and it becomes almost like a common thing to you. And it was um, fear initially when I had my first encounter when I was five that um, kind of warped my mind in the sense that mm -hmm. um, I stopped going to Sunday school because after seeing aliens, I couldn't believe what was being taught to me in Sunday school right. after seeing these extraterrestrials. Even more, when they implanted me the seven years that I vomited every night was even more abstract because the U.S. military doctors could not find anything wrong with me. And they would give me anti-vomiting medications and I would vomit that out. So they put something in me and whatever they put into me is a transponder of sorts. And they mm -hmm. use that transponder to communicate with me. So which entities were you seeing? Grays. And they were okay. small, like children. They were very small, three, four feet right. tall. They had silver spacesuits. There were several of them, but along with them was a larger one. It was more like six to eight feet tall. He looked exactly like the small ones, except on a larger scale. And yeah. I could hear their thoughts. They didn't communicate with me verbally. They communicated with me telepathically. 
Yeah, I still think there's science behind that. A lot of people go really woo with that, but I just really strongly believe there's a science we just don't understand that enables them to do that. Um, well, even, we're all we're all transmitters. We're all transmitters. Yes. Every human's brain has its own specific signal. It's just like a radio right. station. If you tune in on that person's brain, you can transmit to them, and that's exactly what they're doing. Right. Yes, we're like beacons and antenna, and some people uh, can make that more. So when they do things like um, meditation, I believe, um, I think it has a lot to do with the electromagnetic field within ourselves and um, just kind of manipulating that. I've also learned a little bit about epigenetics where you basically turn certain genes on and off based on environmental situations. So I feel like people who meditate are probably turning things on that are already hardwired inside of us and enable more of this interaction. I wish I could be a yogi. <laughs> well, really you know, after, after you have your first encounter and then your second and then your third and then your fourth and then your fifth and it continues, it never ends. The more that they encounter you, the less fear association that you have towards them, they right. almost become common common everyday objects after a while right and yeah and i also had a, a thought about the the love feeling so i think there's actually technology involved with that also but it could be more of an energy effect um and the reason i say that is because i've also been looking at ndes and when people have an NDE, they always describe having this sense of love that is stronger than anything on earth. And we use the word love because we don't know what to call it, right? So maybe- It was love. It was definitely love. It, it, it was even more interesting that the one entity that made me feel the most love appeared to be female. Mm -hmm. It had yeah. motherly characteristics. Right. So I just wonder, is that something that's and kind of eminent in the universe that they're more connected to um they know how to utilize and they are a, like a part of or something you know i just have all these thoughts about that because when you when you have the nde people describe well not everyone has a good nde experience but when people get to that place where it is a positive experience they describe the overwhelming sense of love and i just wonder if there's just something that they're tuning into um, able to access that we're just not getting yet as humans. I don't, I don't think that these things want to be hostile. I don't think that they are hostile because as I mentioned, I've had several encounters with them as a child and not one of them was hostile at all. The only right. thing that I found very odd was when they implanted me and the fact that my body was rejecting whatever it was they put into me. I would vomit nightly and nobody could right. figure out why I was vomiting, especially the U.S. military doctors. And they would give me the anti-vomiting medication and I would vomit that out. Just nothing seemed to work. And when the vomiting right. stopped, these objects would just come out of the sky and land in front of me. And it forced me to start carrying a camera. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like a strong impression, right? Of just yeah. this is what needs to be done. Yes. So... I will say, you know, I get these impressions sometimes. I never know, is this what the download is? Is this, you know, something being communicated to me? Or is this my imagination? And that's the hard thing for people who have these experiences. We just don't know 
all the time. Well, it, what it, it can't be imagination, especially if you're documenting them, especially if you've got the tech that I created and I'm yeah. getting these things on a nightly basis. And, and the fact of the matter that I'm getting objects that are consistent and the consistency associated to these objects makes me want to believe that whatever they are, they're here and they've been here for a while. I started doing some research and I found that there were objects consistent with what I was documenting in the Bible. There were objects consistent with what I'm documenting in the celestial event in 1561 Nuremberg. All of the objects on the Nuremberg tapestry I've documented and they're still right. here. They have not changed. Oh yeah, that reminds me. Okay, for those who are not familiar, that's the the fight that's basically shown between cigar shapes and uh, sphere shapes and basically objects in the sky. Um, and it was described as basically an air battle. And this was, uh, what was it, the 15 or 1600s? 1561. Um, right, thank you. Long before... Uh, we had anything in the sky. So people were kind of overwhelmed and, and someone did a wood carving to show people what was going on. That wood carving was then put in the newspaper. Um, so it's, it's a recorded case that baffles people, but it leads me to some other people's theories that there are ongoing fights that continue, that the spheres are part of that, um, that there's some kind of, sort of paranormal network the side effects are um you know we have em effects that cause us to see things like ghosts um and some other you know impacts like you know hairs rising on our skin you know and stuff like that right standing up when we're getting close to something um so there's this imp this theory also that the fighting continues, essentially. Um, and it's well, beyond what we're aware of. Well, as I mentioned, that these objects that I'm documenting are 100% consistent with the Nuremberg events, you know, from 1561. Mm -hmm. They have not changed at all. And it, it makes it even more mm -hmm. abstract, is even though they're documented from hundreds of years ago, they're still more advanced than we are. Yeah, so I was hoping you were going to say, no, they're not fighting here at all, but no. <laughs> You're just like, yeah, they oh, are. <laughs> no, they are still here. And believe oh. me when I tell you, the documentation that I have is quite conclusive. It shows without a doubt that whatever is on that tapestry, I've got on high definition 4K. It's definitely still here. And people who are interested, they can go to my website or they can Google advanced 4k extraterrestrial documentation it'll take you to the page and it'll show you all the objects that i've documented in a condensed format and if you click on the little samples which are thumbnails it'll play the videos associated to the objects okay so let's talk about your website for a minute now that uh we have just established there's still alien warfare in our skies um <laughs> let's let's talk about First of all, I have it in the description for anyone who would like to take a look. Um, can you please let people know a little bit about what's on there in general? Um, as I mentioned, I went and did some research associated to objects that have been documented or um, mentioned in the Bible, for example. And the objects that were mentioned in the mm -hmm. Bible are 100% consistent with the objects that were imaged and 1561 
things have not changed. Those objects have stayed relative. They are all 100% uniform and consistent. So it indicates to me that whatever they are, though they are ancient, they're substantially far more advanced than anything we have currently in our repertoire. Right. And also on the website, you have information about appearances that you've um, been a part of. You have information about people you've worked with. Um, you have information on the site about different, I would say, classes of objects that you have noticed or, you know, um, for instance, the orange, you know, and so on. I so categorize them. I categorize them specifically associated to their right. definitions. And I created folders for each of those. And I created pages for each of those folders. Right. And it shows that there is definitely differences in in the objects that um, I document. They're not like one would conclude, oh, they all come from the same type of technology. Right. They're all totally different. Right. And and for anyone who has looked, I think it was, for some reason, I think the name was Trevon or Trevane Smith or something like that. Other people have explored this idea. Um, I want to I want to double check on that name, but other people have explored the idea of them being living beings, and there's other people who are doing um, some film, not nearly in as depth as you have done, or nearly as quality technology, but they've done some film um, showing these things basically swimming through space. So you know, this if if someone gets interested uh, and wants to further research, there's a lot of stuff backing this up. Um, including experiencers themselves who are describing um, a couple things with these objects. One, that they seem to be intelligent. Um, and I would, I want to say intelligently controlled, but I don't know if that's the right way to put it because they may be controlling themselves. Um, they talk about some objects having essentially like a skin on them, you know, so there's a lot going on with these guys. <laughs> Oh, there's a whole lot. I, I, yeah. I, I've got to mention, I had a close encounter at the U.S. Capitol building July 16th in 2002. The exact same thing happened July 16, 1952 at the same location that I was. But what was interesting is the objects that I documented were these luminous green spheres. And mm -hmm. on the ground were these masses, I would say. They looked like spheres of translucent energy and those were the occupants of these of these luminous green spheres that i documented hmm. and they all seem to be non-corporeal they were life forms without physical bodies yeah you know and that kind of lends to some people talking about some of this is more like um projected into us so what if for instance hypothetically there were entities in another solar system that sent ai to mess with us and use the spheres to do it like that that's a possibility that's a very right? strong possibility because we have to consider that the technology that they're using and the technology that we're using is light years apart they're substantially mm -hmm. far more advanced than we are the objects that i documented at the u.s capitol building as i stood beneath them generated a wormhole and flew into the wormhole, which I documented, wow. and then vanished. It was even more abstract was there was this large 
V-shaped object. When I say large, it was as big as a city and it was ascending into, into our atmosphere. And as it was coming down, it cut a wake in the sky. And you could see that wake was the same shape as this object. It was that massive. Mm hmm. Yeah, it is. I think where people get scared is when we talk about the sheer size of some of these things. Big. When, when I tell you the objects that I'm getting make aircraft carriers look like single man rowboats, what would you think? I'm, uh, yeah, hmm. that's where people. And you know, scared. but you know, being an aircraft carrier. Yeah. Right, it's, it's yeah. Immense. And I've got right. several objects that make an aircraft carrier look like a rowboat. Right. So they talk, we hear about these triangles also that can be immense, like multiple football field size and length, you know. Um, we talk about some things under the water that have been really big, you know. So like people, I think that's where the fear comes from. And, and then, of course, people are scared of things they don't understand. They don't want to talk about that because it definitely makes you want to not believe in in our u.s government or any government whatever country you're from because it it shows that we are nobodies technically speaking compared to these objects we're nothing we're like an ant on the back of an elephant you know yeah. it just doesn't make sense i feel so different about that though i think we're really special in our own right you know and maybe to the to the entity, we're the equivalent of like a puppy dog, right? But our puppy dogs well, are special. <laughs> well, you know, think think like this. God only gave us the ability to see in certain spectrums. See, there, there is in the Bible what's mentioned, the unseen. And that's what I'm documenting, mm -hmm. the unseen. So why is it he made things he didn't want us to see? And why is it well, beyond I, our range of comprehension? And yeah, that we so, have to consider. Yeah, I have to wonder about that, too. I wonder if it has a little bit to do with the pulling of strings. Sometimes I also hear the description. There's something called slide nine. Um, it came from the U.S. Um, UAP task force, right? And on slide nine, they gave a list of all these things that these objects can do. And I swear to God, if you have read the Bible and you read the Old Testament, you could have just been describing God, essentially. Um, Ezekiel's, to, Ezekiel's wheel, for example. I mean, yeah, that could be consistent with a tic-tac. And some of the paintings that they have right. that Leonardo it's, da Vinci painted, those were tic-tacs also. It just, it's just the way that it was said, you know, the ability to mess with our brains, you know, the the weaponry that the Old Testament God was not a nice God. The Old Testament God was destructive and cruel sometimes. Um, well, the, very much the Anunnaki are claimed to have created us. So we have right. to consider that we could be an off offset of some extraterrestrial experiment and that these objects are just coming here to see the outcome of their experiments. Well, what do you think happened with these grays, the ones that are helping you to take these pictures and helped you with that download? Why do you think they're doing that? What's their motivation? Um, I believe they picked me to um, be the one to show that they are here. They picked me to be the one to show what they look like. And I've definitely documented them in high definition. And by the way, my stuff's not like anything that's on the market right now. It's completely different in the sense that I've created a high definition database mm -hmm. in, in full color infrared. So we're looking at something completely abstract. 
And the mm -hmm. abstract nature associated to it is the fact that whatever these are, they are existing in gamma ray, X-ray bands right. of invisibility. And, and as I mentioned earlier, we can't see in that band. So anything now, beyond ISO 800, we're just stuck on stupid. Now, have you heard from, well, I don't know if you've um, interacted with or been really interested in YouTube videos about this, but John Ramirez from the CIA, who is now retired, came forward and said the CIA had an orb working group. So with, you know, obviously your, um, your approach is civilian, but the military, the government. Uh, wait a minute. I'm, I was trained by the U.S. military in what I right. do. But you're sharing um, I was, with in us. Fact, you're I'm sharing, sharing with, us. with you. But see, I don't have I don't have those <laughs> right. Um, but you're sharing it with obli us. Obligations. I don't. I'm not going to lose a pension or anything because I don't get a pension from the military. After I did 18 years in the White House working on Air Force One, Marine Two, I get nothing. It's nothing. So right. here's this data and this database that I've created, and it is it is not um, restricted and it doesn't have the mm -hmm. um, restrictions associated to the materials like the redacted materials the pentagon put out it's nothing like that i'm showing you this raw high definition right. object right so do you think the cia basically would have been doing the same thing with the, that working group the orb working group do you think if, that they were doing if, that if they had this level of technology and that's that's the other thing when you start looking at the technology that we've created it's kind of sad that even and I've got to mention the James Webb Telescope is antiquated. It's totally Aww. antiquated. It is an upgraded version of NASA Hubble. It, it is a still frame application. And I'm telling you, I created a motion picture application that operates along the same principle. Why didn't they go that route? I don't know. And then spent so much money on it. It was so Billions. Fragile. Billions. And I, I, I did mine from under 100 Gs. Now think about that. I really, I don't even want to say that if something, I don't want to say it. I just don't want to jinx the telescope. I'm not going to say it. I'm, 250 uh. Gs, I'll be more realistic. It is it's yeah. a little bit more expensive than what I'm right. saying. But it, it, it can be done at a reasonable price. And if you modify existing technology, you can create tech that's way beyond anything the military NASA has. And that's what exactly what I've done with modified huh. existing technology. And I certainly hope you patented that you can't you can't matter you can't patent that you can't it's already mm -hmm. been patented you can't i can make a uh, a sample associated to it but i won't discuss the manners associated with it but the patents in it involved with it can't be done i okay. tried i went to the u.s patent office i can patent the u.s the the ufo colors i created but other than that i can't patent the technology mm -hmm. yeah okay just wondering but Okay, so it's superior. Um, it's superior too. <laughs> yeah. So it, obviously, my I guess my point was that you know the CIA knows this is going on. You know this is going on. Do you think that the society will start picking up on it and accepting it? Because, oh, by the way, and of course, ghost hunters knew this was going on because they were talking about orbs, right? And then anyone who studied UAPs knew this was going on. It's in the FOIAs for 50, 70 years orbs 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 spheres 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 you know so do you think people are going to be more honest about this in the future and kind of more transparent well with all the data that's out there they can't not be transparent with it mm -hmm. it's even more interesting and some people have documented these objects with their cell phones and they would mention they can only see it on the cell phone but not with their eyes 
So the, mm -hmm. the cell phone cameras are capable of recording them. So right. again, it's an object that's definitely beyond the range of the human eye, but it's not beyond the range of the technology that's created that simulates the human eye like digital cameras. Actually, it's really interesting. A lot of people, when they see the Tic Tac shape, describe it as looking like it's glowing orange. But when they take the photo, the photo comes out white. Pure white. Pure white. Right. It's not like standard white, not eggshell white. Pure white. Almost like godly, godly pure white. So you kind of wonder what it is going on, you know. But then we already knew our perception was limited. There's obviously things and and you know i i was going to address that too i think the reason we're starting to pick up on it is we've just started to evolve and unfortunately what worries me about that is when we evolve it's usually usually for survival reasons right why would we need to pick up something that's going on around us usually it'd be either for food or predation well you know the mexican air force documented a fleet of objects and one of the things that was interesting is nobody on board the aircraft that was documenting these things could see them. And it was even more abstract is only their FLIR camera was able to see them. So we know mm -hmm. that they're existing in a range of light that's way beyond us. And when you looked at the object that was documented by this FLIR, it was immense in, in terms of its intensity. And, and again, I would mention, I would document things on with the camera technology that I have, and they would show up on my monitor bright like the sun. But when I go outside, there would be absolutely nothing there. Yes. And it's interesting. There's an, a documentary recently called the terror in the sky. Um, I don't know if you've seen it yet where they did multiple cameras and one camera did not pick up an object, but another one did, or actually I should say almost, almost did clear, not. multiple, almost did not. multiple cameras picked it up but one camera could not like that camera was unable to see it. I set up several telescopes and each one of the things that makes the telescopes unique that I have is they all have the same sensitivity cameras, except one of the cameras is infrared and mm -hmm. at the same settings. And I aligned both of my telescopes exactly the same. And they were looking at the same region of space. Mm -hmm. An object flew by in the infrared camera that was recorded as bright red, but on the standard 2700K camera, there was absolutely nothing there. Mm -hmm. Well, have, so obviously that's part of what the Galileo project is aiming for. I don't think that they're going to go into as much advanced technology at this point. But their goal is to have multiple telescopes going up. Have you considered joining them and being a part of that project? I try to reach out to as many people as possible. What is really interesting is that the U.S. Navy is following my data. I've got U.S. Navy Command and the mm -hmm. entire um, Nimitz carrier group, the individuals that are with the Terra in the Sky, uh, um, all the people that were associated to the, the 2004 Tic Tac documentation are on my page. And they're all agreeing with the data, but no one seems to want to um, associate my data with theirs because, you know, everyone's got their shining star and everyone wants to be the one to say they've got the samples. And they do have the samples. If it was not for the U.S. Navy, my stuff would be anomalous in a sense, but they basically opened the door for me to, to clearly uh, 
define the objects that I'm getting as the Tic Tac objects that were documented in 2004 by the Nimitz. I just feel like there's a lot of com competition that's really slowing us down. If everyone worked together, can you just imagine, like, do you know about SSE, the Society for Scientific Exploration? Like, they have already been doing this for decades, right? All of this work. McAfee works for them. But not at my level. See, that's, right. that's the other thing, too. I, and I took right. it to a completely different level of technology. Not, not, not with yours specifically, but UAP work. And McAfee worked for, with them and did some journal entries for them. Filet works with them. Um, I feel like Davis might have even written a journal entry for them. A lot of important uh, UAP investigators have gone that route because it's science, right? Bruce if McAfee they, is one of my associates. Right. So he will tell you more about it if you want, if you're curious. Well, I, if, if anything, I would rather have Bruce define those things because I can't tell you exactly right. what it is that I documented because it's so far-fetched. Right. Other than that they exist in invisibility, it would be something that something more along the line of what Bruce McAbee would be more uh, appropriate to define. And I would be more than happy to speak to him and you can tell him that. But, but my point though is that if that group, right, the SSE, who does done all this work, join forces with the SCU and everyone worked together instead of being competitive because they've even created a new journal it's and, all competitive you said right, the right thing right there it's all very competitive right, like jeremy it, corbell all of his stuff basically is from the uss nimitz jeremy didn't document those things the uss nimitz did so right. you have to look at certain people will talk about it and then certain people will be the ones who are getting the data but as i mentioned some of us are getting superior materials and I'm those just, superior materials nobody wants to talk about they don't even want to touch it i am curious though i'm curious about people like bruce McAbuse who have been doing this with you for decades and i'm curious about the perspective that everyone who's sort of leaning back and not really engaging right now is having like Obviously, there's still communication. I'm aware that people are still emailing and communicating behind the scenes. People like so I, I, I'm definitely I would say part of UFO Twitter, for instance, now. Right. Um, UFO Twitter doesn't seem to be fully aware of how many other people are involved in this. I'm just kind of wondering what the people who are behind the scenes are thinking about all of this right now. <laughs> It's, it's, it's again, like I said, it's so far-fetched. Who can believe that, you know, what's even more abstract is the data that was generated by the Nimbus. There's people who don't believe that. Right. The, the Congress yeah. especially did not believe it. They think, oh, you know, uh, I know. Neil deGrasse Tyson said it was a glitch in the camera, you know, and which, by the way, Neil deGrasse Tyson unfriended me when I sent him an actual sample of a UFO. And I thought that was odd because he wants to be anti-UFO. He wants to believe that these things are a uh, figment of our imagination or glitches associated to cameras. I think someone That's, needs to remind him that he is... I think someone needs to remind him that he is a scientist, not a therapist. He is, not a he is, he is, he is very limited. He does not have anything that, that can say he discovered. He has no discoveries. He's got nothing that of any actual value other than opinion there's nothing there you know, he's just a talker it's, 
And I really go with a lot of people who say, if you're a scientist, you should desperately want to know and get data. At Do least some research. Get data. Look for right. it. At least look for it or try to, to, to create a tech like I did that would be, enable you right. to, to document these things. Neil deGrasse Tyson did not do that. He just talks about it and then he trashes everybody else's work. It makes me sad. It makes me feel like I'm not much into, um, I, I'm very interested in learning about the science, but the act of doing the science, the act of going out and repeating the experiment and getting the information that supports your hypothesis, um, even using the scientific method, it's not my thing, right? But I think I might be more far along further along than neil De neil on due doing... diligence it's called due diligence yeah due diligence yes i might be further along on the due diligence than he is a scientist when it comes to uaps so um i well, wanted to get to uh some questions that i have for you because i feel like if i um don't i'm going to forget but i had a couple major questions for you um from people who are um, listeners of the show or just friends of mine and usually what happens by the way is when I have um, someone come on I just tell them that they can come on and be a host with me sometime if they want you're welcome to come back just let me know if they're if you know if Bruce McAvee wants to come on and you want to come chat to you you can come too <laughs> so these are people that have um, been on the show this the first question is a question for Dr. Wilbur Allen does he consider it possible that there could be plasma-based intelligences? The jinn are referred to as beings of smokeless fire that share our world. One of the findings from the Condine report was that UAPs could be anomalous atmospheric plasmas. What do you think? Well, I think we answered that, but yeah. I think we already answered that. They're definitely, yeah. they're, they're what, what is uh, in the Bible referred to as gins and that's that's what i encountered at at right. the u.s capitol building on the uh july 16 2002 they were entities without bodies and, and it was interesting they right. were observing me they were observing me on several occasions i uh, took several shots at the u.s capitol building they they in fact infiltrated the u.s capitol building they landed on the roof they landed in taft park there were several officers on duty that night at the U.S. Capitol building that substantiated my findings, right. but they won't allow those officers to talk. I really wish you would come on Twitter and start sharing stuff. Please come join us on well, Twitter. Well, I've got I've got a Twitter, but they banned me for life. You know, I'm I'm um, a Republican engineer. I worked in the White House. <laughs> Just I know it. I know that I, I've got to wait for Elon Musk to buy Twitter completely so they can okay. remove me from the permanently right. banned list. But they banned me for making a comment about AOC. Oh, my puppy is getting upset about something. Okay, so. I, I said AOC, and that made made the dog go crazy. <laughs> He's like, "Oh, I don't like her either." I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Um, the next question that I have is. Have you had any electrical malfunctions while recording these UFOs? And that's from Jesse Peake, who's a MUFON investigator who's working on something um, related to electromagnetic uh, field effects caused ah, by UFOs. I'm glad you asked me that. In, in 2015, I was doing research in P53 restricted airspace, which is Washington, D.C., and I set up my camera, and it documented this white tubular object fly by and as this white tubular object flew by it crushed the shutter on my camera 
crushed, wow. crushed wow. the shutter on my camera. And when I sent the camera back to Nikon, they couldn't figure out how that was possibly done. It, it couldn't be done with a finger. It was crushed. So it was done with the EM4s? Somehow? Something when this right. object passed by, my camera went completely dead. And when I tried to reactivate the camera, it wouldn't activate. And when I looked inside, right. the the shutter mechanism was crushed. You know, I try to understand. I, I went down this path briefly of why electromagnetic effects happen, like with cars and helicopters and things like that, where things have happened. And I came up with this theory that it's a little bit like microwaves. When microwaves don't heat up the outside of an object, but they heat up inside and they dry out the object. So all the things that have these electromagnetic effects tend to have fluid in it, even if it's oil, including... Um, you hear about um, those old-fashioned watches stop working, and those had oils in the gears. Well, so my, this, my theory... this is different because the camera that I used had titanium shutters. It was state-of-the-art, right. and it had a titanium shell. I mean, the, the, the body of the camera is completely titanium, yeah. and that it was destroyed by this object as it flew by. You know, it's it's a little bit goes back to slide nine and slide nine. They talk about the ability to change objects, essentially. Right. So they did something that transformed your camera. They and, destroyed it. Right. <laughs> I was trying to be nice. We're, we're talking about a, we're talking about an eight thousand dollar camera. And right. You can't imagine how I felt. Fortunately, it right. was covered by the warranty. And, and, then, and, and the people who did the repair it indicated that there was no human possibility for a human to do that m amount of damage. Right. And this camera was destroyed. So I guess, you know, if you look into our belief system, right, about what can do that, it boils down to we've always believed God could do that. We always believed, you know, maybe demons and angels could do things like that. Some people believe ghosts could do things like that. And now, you know, people are saying, okay, maybe all of that goes down to aliens, you know? So, like, we're still trying to figure out what is doing these things, has these abilities, what name we should use. I do think they're all the same. Well, ghosts are real because I've had several experiences which were absolutely creepy. I, would, I was in a room, in my room, sitting on my bed, working on my computer, and mm -hmm. I felt something sit down beside me. And as it sat down beside me, it, it touched my shoulder. It did like this. And I was like, oh, snap. It happened to me three times in two different locations. You know, it's interesting also, though, and I kind of hinted on, at this earlier, but if you talk to a medium about what ghosts are, they often say that they're balls of energy. In other words, spheres. Spheres. So, right. So what and what if, I saw at the U.S. Capitol building could have easily been categorized as a ghost. Right. So I have this whole thought process about, and I'm going to go a little what they call woo here with this, that these spheres, these nodes, these objects are all part of literally this paranormal network that I mentioned, right? And that essentially we're on... Um, connecting to it sometimes um some of us more so than others and picking up information and and bringing putting forth information that connects to that i do think there's a possibility that it is created by our consciousness 
and their consciousness is a physical thing. God created those things. Right. Well, everything everything we're encountered has got to come from some some. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I think aliens cannot believe in God. They do believe in God. Yeah, I know. I think yes, God created all of this, of course. But I mean that those nodes are made up of our consciousness. Essentially, is what I think. I think that the balls of energy and our consciousness are all pretty much the same thing, which is why I think. The ghosts look like the balls of energy. Some of us, though, have the ability to see those things. You know, right. it's it's something that it's not like as I mentioned when when I had the encounter in Baltimore in two thousand and eight with the with the seventeen eighteen people that were around me, and they didn't see a thing. And I documented these objects as they right. landed in front of us. Why they didn't see it is is probably um, a defense mechanism mechanism of the mind, or they right. just we're not allowed to see that only certain of us, some of us are allowed to see these things. And, and the ones that are allowed to see it, we are seeing them. Yes. I'll, I'll tell you, and I have spoken about this before. Um, one of the UAPs that I saw, um, my reaction was eh. <laughs> like it, it was a, it was not uh, one of the living um, amoebic like ones. It was an, um, like a machine uh, sort of um but my my response was eh. so i don't know if that was them saying hey look hi we're here and i was just like eh, boy i don't you, know That's you were you were expecting these expecting to see something else that's probably why you had that reaction I, you actually, were inclined to see something more advanced or you know um more far so maybe maybe they need to impress me tell them that so that exactly, i can see something exactly. cooler right but exactly. someone else told me it's because you've seen them before and you don't remember or you've had an encounter and you didn't right. remember you, exactly. you could have been you could have had something happen to you as a child and it all started for me when i was five yeah. so yeah i had some very that, strange I, strange experiences as a kid i would uh sleepwalk and I would have vivid flying dreams. I would have strange moments when I would wake up where I couldn't lift my head. It was like sleep paralysis. But I think usually when people have sleep paralysis, um, it's not when they're waking up in the morning. Um, so I don't I don't really know. It's very strange. I don't know. Um, and I would get immense headaches when I would try to lift my head, too. It, so I'd have to put my head back down because the whole world would start spinning. Wait a minute. When I had my initial encounter when I was five, what was interesting, they were shocked to see that I was still awake looking at them. And what mm -hmm. they usually do with most electrical impulse organisms, which we are electrical impulse organisms, is they put a dampening field at the cerebral cortex and it stops the flow of information from the brain to travel to mm. the rest of the body. So when I tried to scream, nothing came out. When I tried to run, my legs didn't work. Wow. Yeah, it's really interesting for those who look into um, electromagnetic effects on the brain because they're using that now to help people with depression and other mental health conditions. If you put the wand that they use over a certain part of your brain, it will disable your ability to speak. More and than that's likely. Rich. Yeah, no, they show the experiment on the internet. If they put the wand that causes electromagnetic influences on your brain, which is supposed to help kickstart a depressed person's brain, right? If you put it in the right spot, it will disable your ability to speak. Well, let's let's talk about that. I, I had an encounter in 2017. It was 107, 2017, and I documented this massive tubular craft. And when I tell you massive, 
it was one of the ships that makes an aircraft carrier look like a single man rowboat. Mm-hmm. During the day at a Whole Foods that was up the street from me was a table of blondes. These women, they were all immaculately gorgeous. And when I came around them, I lost my ability to speak. That's I interesting. Believe they were, I believe they were extraterrestrials that came out of the tubular ship. That's very possible. You know, it's interesting as someone um, sent me a picture of a tubular uh, craft that they saw and it looked a little bit like it was either a it was either a number seven balloon, which is what someone else who looked at it with me said it was, but I don't know. Or it was like the tubular bells on the cover of an album that someone, I think it was Bigelow, saw at Skinwalker Ranch. So there are so many different shapes. You know, they were like, well, you know, like that. They have uniform definitions and the characteristics are all the same. And what, what made my research even more interesting is this one particular ship that I've been describing that had this energy field around it showed up 14 different times. And in right. each occasion, it looked the same, but not the same. Its energy fields right. were less or greater. I mean, and it was just massive to say the least, but the, the right. thing that was unique about it all is that it was in invisibility. I did not see yeah. it with my eyes, my system saw it. I will say also that some people can hear things that are outside of their sensory. They make, system. they do have sounds. They do have yeah. sounds. I do I have events that I recorded sounds. And the sounds that were recorded were unlike anything I've ever heard before. There was nothing at all on yeah. earth that would simulate those sounds. And I've been talking to people about paying more attention to unidentified sounds because there's a, a page for that on the UFO connector. But wait a minute. When you hear these people document these things, and, and the, one of the things that's so bizarre about when they do document them is they're constantly talking. What makes my research unique is that my camera technology and my operations system, which is a computer, which is 50 feet from the telescope itself, mm-hmm. it separates me from the object. So the, the device is recording exactly what it is seeing. It is also recording in 7.1 DTS surround sound, the objects as they fly by. Mm-hmm. So you have this 3D sound effect as they're flying through the image frame. And as they fly through the image frame, in some occasions, they emit this sound that sounds like a nuclear reactor. I mean, it just—it's right. yeah, not so, like anything I've ever heard before. So the, the the sound that I believe it is is infrasound, which is the same sound that um, animals can hear when an earthquake's going to happen, or you know, perhaps another kind of natural disaster. But some humans can hear it, so it's great that you're machine can pick that up but i'm just saying it's amazing that any humans can hear that and do um i I had an encounter in sedona arizona in the desert at three o'clock in the morning and this massive spacecraft flew by and one of the things that was creepy about it wasn't the fact that when it flew by it was making noise it was all the coyotes and dogs in in all of sedona started barking Right. And it was real creepy because they could hear it, but I could not. Right. Well, honestly, my hearing is terrible. You know, those things that you can get to um, repel pests. So we got one to get cats to stay out of our garden box, which, by the way, did not work. They don't care. 
<laughs> so but oh, my a cat kid, does what it wants right you know. but but my but my kids could hear it. It, it they said it was an awful noise but i could not so i don't think i'll be one of the people that's lucky enough to hear the sounds of these objects but people have described humming noises uh buzzing um some have said static little... static like the terminator sphere right. when the terminator appears that i got also i mean it was right. just the, right. the sample based it and sounds that I got are even more abstract right. than the objects themselves. So basically, if anyone wants to really capture anything, they need super powerful infrasound pick like detectors. They need sensors, blur. They need a super camera. <laughs> super cameras right. can do that. Uh, they need to be able to see. I've, I, I'm just be happy if I could get binoculars that could see uh, outside of the visible spectrum without damaging my eyes, you know, but like, well, but, I, I don't really just want night vision. I want to be able to see into you want to see in full stuff. color, full color infrared. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what you want to do. So, so in order to do that, you know, if I don't know how familiar you are with camera technology, mm -hmm. but they have cameras now with 4 million ISO and 8 million ISO one sixteen thousandth of a second shutter speed, which is super mm -hmm. fast. Now, can you imagine that's a conventional camera designed to photograph things on a on the wavelength of the human eye? Imagine what that camera would do if you modified it for full spectrum infrared and how it would right. document. And, and that that's exactly what I did. And, and look at the samples that right. I have. They're extraordinary. Yeah, there's some really great work coming out um, related to people just desperately wanting to know this information um wanting to sort of try to resolve this mystery um i personally realized the other day that you know we only have five years with this eight, okay hold on let me do it oai msg i think i got it or is it a i always get it confused they just made it so hard to say but this new office this new ufo office only has five years to try to solve this huge mystery um, and they obviously aren't starting on the best foot since they don't even seem to know anything. They don't have the technology. That's my point. If you right. look at the materials that the, the U.S. military has and the materials right. that the NASA has, they're, they're, they're thinking along the lines of human vision. They're not going beyond the range of human vision. And that's right. where I told them they need to start looking into invisibility. The unseen right. is where these things are. And I feel like, you know, like I said, the CIA apparently had been doing that. They had... A the orb working group and they and john ramirez said you know it's quite evident that these orbs were being seen often and the other people are picking them up nasa seems to be getting on board for helping with this so maybe they'll be more honest about what they're picking up there's they're still antiquated right but i guess my point is um ultimately when it comes down to it our civilian science is catching up you know with the the military science and the government we're and we may super we're passing them behind right. we're leaving them in the dust so so maybe they are stuff they're not telling us about but i feel like i don't have as much confidence now that uh the government is the answer um they're to not. getting this this resolution and more they're than not. anything i've always had the sense that um the the resolution is going to come from uh what some people call the others um, private individuals like myself and yes, people like yourself, people like Bruce McAbee, SSE, the Invisible College. 
John Alexander, mm-hmm. people like that, Valet. Um, I have a whole list of people who have been working behind the scenes with groups like the um, Fund for UFO Research that people don't even know about that are still working behind the scenes. That's, you know, uh, what's his name, Doctor? Um, uh, Nolan. His name, Gary Nolan. No. Um, Pudoff. Gear, gear, gear. Oh. Okay. Yeah, there's just so many people. Greer, like, Greer Dr. Greer, he's he's Dr. Greer, not, Stephen yeah, Greer. Stephen Greer. Hmm. He's a controversial person at this time. Very he's a medical doctor. That's that's yes. the extent of what he does, but he's not technically into the advanced technology. And I went to Stephen for funding to create the technology that I have, and he 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 supposedly had the center for UFO funding. And he did not fund me at all. Everything that I created came out of my pocket because nobody else would help me. And I knew I had this idea and it just didn't go anywhere with them because they thought I was basically full of crap. And here are the results that they don't have. And, you know, the work that Dr. Gary Nolan has done where he's looked at metamaterials and um, the brains of people who have had UAP experiences. A lot of that has come out of his own pocket as well. And then we can very clearly tell there's no way that OSAP with the money that they had was able to go very far. They didn't have that much. Well, so you have you have to understand that 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 you have to look beyond and and looking beyond requires extreme technology and that extreme right. technology didn't really exist until 2015. Right. And in 2015 I thought to myself that I could take this extreme camera technology and make it something totally kick-ass and i did you know what maybe that's why disclosure is getting pushed not because they think that the others are going to come and say well forget humans we're going to show you we're here but maybe they just realize that the science that we have the technology that we have is surpassing um the government and they're like well we can't really keep it quiet anymore because I mean, the Everyone. cell phones are blowing blowing the government out the water. I mean, right. think about it. You know, when a cell phone has higher definition than NASA Hubble, what do you think? Yeah. So my thought is maybe that's what it's really about. They know that they can't put the lid back on because the technology is out of their hands at this point. But then again, well, they we can't, also... They can't suppress it. They can't suppress right. it. We then, of course, also... Do you hear that the number of incidents is pretty high right now with the, the UAPs around the the battle groups out at the water, uh, you know, on the waters? They cannot um, not the, they can't not admit to the fact that they are being visited by these UFOs on a daily basis. What they do right. not want to do is engage them tactically. They don't want to do that. Well, I know, of course, um, Lou Elizondo has implied that when he's spoken about it. Well, they say, they say, though, well, you know, some of the pilots from the Nimitz try to engage them. But think about it here. I'm telling you, they vanished before they could even get a chance to lock on to them. So what kind of technology do you think we have that could possibly stop them? These objects can fly in multiple directions simultaneously. They can go up, down, left, right at a blink of an eye and, and do 90 degree turns. No forward flight technology can do that. No helicopter technically can do that. I mean. We just don't have the tech that's at that level. And right. here we are thinking that we can engage them. There's no possibility. And I think the other thing that I was mentioning about the spacecraft that I'm getting that makes this, uh, 
Nimitz class aircraft carrier look like a rowboat. If, if I got a spacecraft and I have samples of an object that's at least a thousand miles long, what kind of technology do you think we have that could take that on? Mm -mm. I know Nothing. that that's their reason for wanting to have kept it quiet in the first place, admitting that they don't have what it takes. We, you know, they but, have close to, right. sense to anything we can do that could take these things on. I think my point, though, is why they can't keep it quiet because they know that civilians have the science now, too, and they can't really stop them from picking these things up. So I think they, that, can't, they can't tell us to shut up. You know, right. and that, that's the other thing. And, oh, yeah. And, and our information goes so fast now. We just, you know, as soon as someone has a video, it's on the Internet. It's, it's, and on, it's on the Internet. Right. They can shadow back like they've done my YouTube channel. I mean, I've got thirty eight hundred videos that are absolutely extraordinary up there and nobody is watching them yeah i think you need to get back on twitter and uh make sure people are paying attention um i really do i think you need to let your voice be heard and you know uh let people know that your content is there i heard someone just talking the other day about you know the the spectrum and vision and things like that and i, and I try to get them to come on today but um, I don't think they were able to actually, <laughs> I haven't really checked to see if they tried in a while and realized I just had you like all full blown. So if they did, I didn't see them, but I don't think so. But, um, I don't know. I guess my point is, you know, get out there, get your voice out there. People are listening. People are paying attention. People who have been in the shadows need to start stepping forward. I know for a fact, Dr. Pasolka has said that people who are in the invisible college are not going to sit by and let other people take credit and, and get all the credit when they've been working on this for decades. When and I think for that's decades. Right. And, and they've been going about it the wrong way. SETI look, listening for extraterrestrials when they should be looking for extraterrestrials. Think I think they're that. changing their tune. I've been watching the SETI YouTube channel. I think they're trying some new things. They're definitely looking also more for techno signatures now rather than radio waves. So I think they're doing some adjusting and how they're doing some more innovation. Again, things the government can't stop from happening because people are starting to get clued in that something else is going on and that they can do more. Um, so, yeah, but I did, you know, I, I will ask you, I think two final questions. The first one is going to be your perspective and opinion on and the second one is just going to be to let people know where they can find you, because until you get on Twitter, which I'm really hoping you're going to do right away. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, so I'm we on there, but I've got this abstract name on Twitter. I'm John Assman, John Assman, because nobody bothers an Assman on Twitter. So, OK, well, well, find me. I'm, I'm you know, at study of UAPs. Find me on Twitter so you can DM me on there and we can make sure we stay connected. But. Um, or you could just, you know, email or all those other things, but whatever. But um, it's easier for me to do it there. I just, I don't even do well with Instagram. It's so bad. But um, so I'll have you tell people where they can find you. But before I ask you that final question, I wanted to ask, since you are interacting um, with the Greys, which, you know, I as a side note, I have a sense of a connection to them. Um, and I, I guess I can tell you more about that when we're not recording. But um, I just wanted to know if you get the impression that they're going to be a part of disclosure soon and very soon. 
I believe that they are trying to be a part of disclosure, but whatever events that have transpired that were documented with some clarity are being still held in secrecy. You know, the government wants to keep everything um, confidential and that, you know, some of the events, for example, there were rocket launches in the 1980s and they documented a spacecraft flying around this rocket that was launched and it fired this white laser beam at this rocket and the rocket malfunctioned shortly after that. And in mm -hmm. 1986, during the Reagan-Gorbachev era, uh, nuclear silos were being activated while nobody was touching the right. uh, activation keys. And that's what makes things even more interesting. The nuclear mm -hmm. silos are analog. They're using analog right. technology. And, and to my knowledge, analog can't be hacked, but the right. extraterrestrials can hack analog. Right. So, but do you get an impression or, you know, you can use the term download if you like, um, that, that they are fed up with the secrecy and want disclosure to happen and happen soon. They are definitely fed up and that's why they chose me to document them with the technology that was downloaded in me to right. create. Okay. Yeah, I'll ask, I'll ask you another question about that at another time. But in the meantime, since we've run it, you know, almost an hour and a half, I wanted to give you a chance to tell everyone where they can find you. Um, you can find me at Dr. Wilbur Allen on YouTube, or you can go to ufodc.com, which is my website. You can go to uh, Wilbur Allen on um, Facebook, and you can go to UFOWGA on Instagram. And on Instagram is where I have the U.S. Navy following me. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much for coming and sharing thank with everyone. All me. of Yeah, it's been great talking to you. You have so much to offer people, so much information, so much data. I hope. But everyone... I haven't said a thing, though. That's my point. I, I'm like left without words because basically I let my data do all the talking. Right. And in this case, I would have preferred to have shown the samples associated to what we were discussing. That would have been a lot more appropriate than for me to try to describe something that's way beyond my level of comprehension and beyond anybody's level of comprehension as I speak. But indeed, well, you know, it is, it's an attempt, an endeavor. Well, you know what I think? I think that you can make videos where you describe what's on your page while you share your page like you would in a zoom right streamer I, sh I should i should be talking but i would prefer to sell the data to network television and have that material done through tv shows like ancient aliens or mm -hmm. you know um whatever shows that are out there that are dealing specifically with unidentified flying objects and and for me because of the fact that i do have data nobody else in this planet has it would be to my advantage to um sell it okay well yeah i think a lot of people who spend a lot of money on this want to compensate for that at the very least well so, put it on your I, show think about that they would have something nobody else they would rule network television if they had my entire database right well i want to say thank you again for coming out i know you have some interesting adventures ahead i'll be looking out on your youtube to see if you start doing uh, some more videos or if you start well, I'm shut I'm shut down for the moment because I'm relocating oh. to Los Angeles and okay. in Los Angeles is probably where I'll do um, 
some more research, but what I actually plan on doing is making uh, mobile research facilities where I can go to various locations, set up my technology and document from various different locations around the world. That would be the best way to do it, like I was doing in Antarctica and Arctic and the Arctic Circle for the History Channel. Well, you're going to have to say George Knapp to George Knapp that I said hello when you get there. He said, I definitely great. will. I definitely will. George <laughs> said, is a good friend of mine also, too. So. Yeah, he said nice things about my web page and Facebook recommended him to me recently to be a friend. So <laughs> I think I'm destined I, to... I am more than impressed with, with the way you proceeded with this interview and it yeah. wasn't tacky. It was done with some thought and intelligence associated to it and I felt comfortable in Thank you. at least attempting to explain myself. Well, thank you. And I think you did a great job. So once again, I'm going to say thank you. I'm going to go ahead and do the outro and let everyone know who's listening that they can find me at um, Calling All Beings on YouTube, the Calling All Beings podcast network on various locations like SoundCloud and Apple and so forth that they can find me at Study of UAPs on Facebook and Twitter. And occasionally I've been known to go to Instagram and you can also find me on LinkedIn. And in the meantime, everyone take care and thank you for listening.